is a tasty burger. Well, we're going, we don't need no. The whole world's gone crazy! Am I the only one around here who can take about the rules? Conflicts and Interests with Eric Kahn and Mike Montague. Arf, are you ready for a less crazy post-COVID world? Uh, I'm done with it. Done with it in terms of done being, uh, if you will, a victim of it or subject to it, and 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 more more, you know, prepared and ready and able and mentally able and physically able to be more proactive about how we go forward, living with it as part of our reality, part of our life. So so no longer compromising quality of life, if you will. Right, and that's the mindset you know, that everybody needs there. But, you know, the, the year we came through wasn't all that bad. We, I mean, we managed some highlights. Sherry and I, we, I mean, we started traveling again. There were stretches in there this past year where the world seemed normal again, but the, the stigma, you know, the sense, the smell of a pandemic somehow was kind of never far off. 2021 threw us for a lot of other tests too. Uh, if you think back on that year, I can remember just a few weeks into the warmer weather, you know, discovering little little bumps on my legs and my arms and was wondering, are these mosquito bites? What are you? And then I realized it was the millions of friggin' caterpillars that had infested all the trees on the property, actually in the whole damn province here, were eating our way, their way through the foliage. And they were just causing these, I think it was a little fine hairs and these caterpillars were getting into people's pores. And I maybe didn't hit everybody, but kept seeing all kinds of other people reporting the same thing. And it just like, just, Nature was attacking us from all sides, it seemed, at that point. We had kind of like touching it with that, that, that caterpillar, those kind of like touching old school asbestos uh, insulation, right? The yes. little fiber. Yeah. Get in. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, fiberglass or something. It was just itchy yeah. as hell. And uh, just, and, and I, for about a week, I had no idea what it was. And then there was another little, it, I was happy to learn it was something as simple as just a, a stupid caterpillar. And they were around for, I don't know, a month or two before they finally disappeared. They got so thick on the front uh, steps that you were, literally slipping on them when you were walking. Yeah, and there were there were there were times where I actually um, I didn't actually have any on my property, but I can't remember where I was and I looked up and it sounded like it was raining and it wasn't raining. It was just a series of them like and I mean I don't mean a series, I mean thousands of them just falling from the sky reason. Little little look like pepper thing. And then you turn the news on and it's like no news report was complete without reports of a tornado, a hurricane, wildfires, droughts, floods, earthquakes, tsunamis, you name it. It seems like sounds kind of biblical, Mike. So far, I've managed to avoid the, the what is it, the Omicron variant? But Omicron? How'd we get to Omicron? We, there was the, the Alpha and the Delta. I mean, I was starting to learn the Greek alphabet here. And I, I, now they've switched it to Omicron. And, uh, but I've avoided it for now. But it, from what I'm hearing, it's just a matter of time that stands between me and all of us having a dance with this. Uh, regardless of any vaccine concoctions that are inhabiting us, it looks like we are going to be all getting this at some point. And some of us have gotten it and weren't even aware that we had it because we never bothered to get tested. In the meantime, something that I'm interested in, and, and I don't know anybody who's actually done a poll on this, but I'd really, really like to know how um, beer sales are under the Corona label. Could have been the Budweiser virus, and I'm sure they wouldn't have been happy. But I got my third booster shot a couple of weeks ago. Though the best promise now is that if we do get it, when we get it, not if we get it, the symptoms are going to be milder than someone who hasn't gotten their uh, vaccine. I guess that's the best we can hope for. No, in the spirit of being exceptionally selfish, Mike, um, yeah. I, I got it because, uh, and again, 
Um, apologies in advance to everybody. Uh, however, selfishly, I'm either going to die today and wait to be buried, okay. or I, you know, or or I'm going to take a chance. And uh, should I wait before uploading this just to be certain? <laughs> no. Well, here's the listen. If if getting the shots, which I don't know anybody coming out with three heads, and I understand that there are people who have adverse reactions. There's a good chance they have adverse reactions to more than just this. Um, if, if they've got pre-existing conditions. Mm. Uh, however, if it means that I can travel, if it means that I can go see the world, um, you, you never know when your last day is. Well, and, it gives you a, a, the freedom to do the things that you want to continue to do, for sure. But and now that we're into the fourth wave, last week the province put new ramped up measures back in place about how many of us can gather indoors or outdoors. Question is now, are we overreaching? And my answer would be, I don't know anymore. I've been inundated with so much information that argues so many different perspectives, so many different opinions on just how serious the situation is. There's so many different ideas out there. I, I just don't know anymore. Uh, we're totally overreaching. We are <laughs> totally overreaching. And, and, and it's as simple as that. I mean, here's the reality. Nobody knows what they're doing and they're doing their best. And I give them credit. They're doing their best and I wouldn't want their job either. I wouldn't want it. However, when more people suffer because of the precautions and because of the restrictions, then, then I think you're overreaching. Yeah. And that's not a it's not a matter of inconvenience. Let's not simplify this. Let's not let's not go all left wing and, and and throw you know whatever you want at me and say oh it's just because no guess what I, I Mike you've got a dad in in long term care I've got mm -hmm. a dad in long term care I can't see him I didn't see him for eighteen months and I can't see him again. Uh, because you're only allowed to have a primary caregiver, and that's not me. I live an hour away, um, but I can't go see him. Yeah, um, I agree. And, and and I don't love it because who knows when his last day is? The government doesn't know what it's doing. And I'm not I'm not talking about Ontario's government. I, I'm I'm literally talking about everybody. No, I agree. And in spite of that, I'll I'll continue to play by whatever rules are, whatever sure. they are on any given day, and whatever the personal precautions are that we're being advised to take. But I just don't know how much of it all is making a difference anymore and how much of it is merely theater. And I'm less certain with time that the powers that be know the difference either. A ton of it is theater. A ton of it is optics. There is this incredible ability of the public when it suits them to only pay attention to the facts when, when, it, you know, when, it, when it suits their, their narrative. Yeah. When, when you've got a global supply chain issue, uh, and that's global, it's not an Ontario supply mm -hmm. chain issue, you've got a global supply oh chain issue, goodness. everything, fuel, everything chip shortage related, everything in terms of building materials and, and electronics and, and all sorts of commodities, yeah. those who are protesting against our local provincial government from shutting down school by the way every single province has yeah. delayed the opening of school it's not it's not this but of course this guy doesn't isn't fit to lead the province and and he should be tossed blah 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 wait a second there is a global shortage you can't get the ventilators into the school even if he promised to put them in there you got to yeah. wait for them to arrive and even if they arrive there's a shortage of tradespeople as well they have to get installed so these things are going to take time yeah. And, and so, so all I'm saying is you can be mad all you want. I'm mad yeah. too. My kid's not getting a great education. Why? Because I'm not a teacher. I, I'm not supposed to be teaching, right? 
I, I have no right to be teaching anybody. No. Um, and, and so, and by the way, to the single mom or the stay-at-home parent or the single dad or whoever it may be who has a job, they can't be full-time teachers either because they're supposed to be at work. The system was never designed for something as across the board and totally encompassing as this. And, you know, it's easy enough to point fingers uh, where things are failing. Uh, exactly. But it's inevitable they're going to fail because nothing was designed for this. And, and I don't want to give the impression, I don't think you do either, that we're, we're unconcerned. I mean, quite the opposite. In fact, I have a father, you have a father, again, who's in long-term care and that Fortunately, my father has not seen an outbreak of COVID, but his residence is owned by the same company that owns and runs another home in Barrie that uh, just a year ago, like this week, saw 70 of its elderly residents begin to die over a two-month period. Uh, And my my father's at a stage where it's safer and it's medically necessary for him to be receiving 24-hour care that he is receiving from his residence. Didn't leave us with any alternative, such as bringing him home to ride this out, something we did consider a year ago when this first wave started. It was tough for anybody having the responsibility of managing aging parents for their care and their safety. And yeah, this has been really stressful in that regard with with aging parents uh, who are in long-term care. And anybody who's been dealing with that has really been... uh, and dealing with a lot of stress. That, that would be, I would say, where the focus of 90% of the stress and anxiety I've had over COVID has been in the last two years. I also have a daughter with two young children whose own research and her legitimate concerns for her and her kids have led her down a quite different path. And then my own here with mm-hmm. her beliefs with regards to vaccines are quite different. You can find so-called experts to validate whatever you desire your beliefs to be just go online. And the big challenge we have today is there are too many experts, each with their own versions of reality and alternative realities to pontificate on. And nobody really knows who to be getting their information from. And, and there's been tensions with our family, especially over Christmas holidays. And, and that's a scenario that I'm sure is playing out everywhere with families. It's playing out in workplaces where you've got a mix of vaccinated and unvaccinated employees. And just being between friends, you know, you have friends and I, I'm sure you're, you're curious when you get together with people who's vaccinated, who isn't, you know, social media has turned into a friggin' Hatfield McCoy's battleground. You know, it's just, that's all you see when you go on there now is fights. It's a blood sport. Yeah. Mike, Mike, what's, what's an expert anyway? Who's paying the bill Yeah, often dictates who's expert you're bringing in. Well, you know what right. I think has changed in regard to what you're just saying there is if you go back over our generation to back when we did respect authority and experts, uh, if we we wanted to learn anything different from what we were hearing from those experts and professionals, we had to go to the library and look that up. We had to go and research. And now we just go on our phones, we go on the internet and we can find information. Unfortunately, the difference between the information in the library that we used to rely on and the information on the internet. When you went to the library, there were separate sections for fiction and nonfiction. That doesn't exist on the internet. Uh, it's all blurred together. Nobody knows what is fiction and what is nonfiction. And we've all absorbed just enough information collectively that we have gained just enough knowledge to think we know now and think we can challenge the experts, but we haven't got gained enough knowledge to realize that we're still pretty much as ignorant as we ever were. <laughs> Sorry for saying that. We're, we're not smart enough to realize how stupid we are. That's the problem. So everybody <laughs> thinks they're an expert. One, one would think, though, that the 
title or the the label of of being an expert would be bestowed upon somebody when they had proof. Yeah, merit. to call yourself a doctor, you you have to have a special earned certificate. You have had to have qualified and and trained to become. But I think anybody can call themselves an expert or a professional. But it really has no strength or meaning. It's like the the world is full of consultants now. Uh, everybody's a consultant for something. Oh, sure. The world's full of consultants and business coaches and uh, you know yeah. anybody who's failed uh, business and doesn't have a payroll of their own, they're a business coach. Far too many of us are teaching and far too few of us are actually doing. What I'm seeing is the government is treating everybody the same with the rules and restrictions with regards to the virus and particularly the latest variant. And it's really the most vulnerable. I mean, those, those who are physically weaker due to age or health, those are the ones who are you know less likely to come through this very variant uh, unharmed. For the rest of us, uh, from what I'm hearing, it's like a mild hangover, the sniffles and that, yet we're bound to this one set of restrictions and controls through this. And that is very costly. And some of the ways we touched on here with regards to you know homeschooling and, and shutting down their businesses. And I would never have said this during the first wave. I think we are overreaching at this point with this variant. The world, the business community, certainly in Canada, and, and someone will yawn when they hear me say this, but we hear about it time and time again, 87.5% or so of the uh, GDP is from small business, small, medium-sized business. A lot of it is sole proprietors, maybe with zero, you know, one employee to five employees, maybe 20, maybe 50, but it's, it's typically small business. But then you look at the hardest tip and you look at all of those who said, that they will do whatever it takes. Just tell me what you want me to do and I'll do it. Just let me keep my business open. Let me keep my doors open. Yeah. And if you look at the tourism industry and you look at the restaurant industry, these are industries that have spent, as have others, thousands of dollars in having lost opportunity or lost revenue by having reduced capacity. Or if they were allowed to have a certain capacity, they spent money in finding ways to still have some form of a properly staged atmosphere in their small restaurant where mm -hmm. they could still have two or three seatings in the evening, but they had plexiglass up and they had partitions up and they spent tons of money in their downtime as well to reinvest just so that they had the privilege to open back up again. Yeah. So their staff are all vaccinated. They're, they're checking at the door to make sure that their patrons are vaccinated. They've got the plexiglass up. They've done everything that they're supposed to do. Um, they're preparing their meals differently than they would in terms of prepackaging and pre-portioning and making sure that one thing doesn't touch another and whatever else they're supposed to do. And yet the big boxes are still open. The small guys shut down again. Yeah. For what? And, and For many, what? Many, yeah, many of them have continued on and done just what you're saying there. Not to turn a profit, just to minimize their losses month to month, just to get them through this. I know a number of employers who kept their doors open so that they would allow their staff to keep a roof over yeah, their own head, exactly. that they could have their staff pay their mortgage, so their staff could pay their, their rent. And they either took home equity loans to stay afloat or they ate into their profit margin. To just They just didn't eat themselves, but yeah. they kept their employees afloat. And I think that those are some truly unsung heroes with all due respect to everybody else who wants to get called a hero these days. And there are lots of them who deserve it because they've yeah. gone above and beyond. But I, I don't think that the, 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 the proprietors who, be, because they don't do it for praise, they don't do it for the headline or the glory. They do it because they're just decent individuals. Yeah. Uh, but they certainly are under-recognized for yeah. those efforts.
But why is it with this variant as mild as it's being reported as being, and the accounts I've heard from some who have had it reinforce that, but why uh, a gym where, where you'd expect to see those who are a little more health aware, and I wouldn't just say necessarily in better physical shape, but at least they're more health aware if they're going to the gym. Uh, why are they forced to close the same as a Taco Bell or, or anything else? Like, I don't like that it's across the board. Uh, Not scientific, it's, it's perception. The thing is, the risks aren't equal with every establishment that's been closed down. And, and I guess, yes, you can't go in case by case decide this business stays open, this one closes down, this one is open to this degree. I, you, it's either all or nothing. And, but at the same time, we have hospitals like the one in Aurelia that I was in last week with my father, who have a, a strict set of protocols, but it only takes one person managing uh, one of those many entrances into the hospital to drop the ball. And, and then the safety programs are rendered uh, useless. And I went through that last week, Friday afternoon, had to pick up my father from the home, went through all the you know rapid tests, gown on, face mask, uh, visor, um, get him over to the hospital. I stopped on the way to the hospital and I've run into Tim Hortons to get a coffee. The lineup was too long to drive through, so I thought I'd run in. Some kid at the door there who has me pull out my driver's license, pull out my uh, rapid test uh, report on my phone, takes all my information, all, asks all these questions, which is fine. Okay, I appreciate the safety precautions. Jump back in the car, two minutes over to Soldiers Memorial Hospital, go into the hospital uh, with dad, and literally walk right in. There was a woman sitting at a table there, but she was talking to someone we walked right past her. I looked at her. She looked at me and made eye contact. Like she was aware. It's not that she didn't see me. And we walked in. And I'm thinking, okay, they've got every exit and entrance in here has been secured. But it just takes that one person not doing their job at the one entrance there. And that, that's the frustrating thing in all of this is all the expense and effort that goes into it is useless when one person drops the ball. I mean, we've, we've spent billions on all the hardware for the, the, the disinfectants and the you know, everything for COVID, all of the freaking hardware and that we need. It's it's a total waste if if people aren't doing their job. That, that's the bottom line there. And I've seen that again and again. And, I, and people are just tired, I suppose. But uh, all the while, all the while, our leaders have been assuring us that we can shut this down. I think we can slow it down. I think we could maybe tweak the numbers and keep them down a bit. But we aren't going to shut it down. It's going to run its course. So we spend billions of dollars doing all sorts of things that, yeah. as you just pointed out, are flawed because, as with many things, uh, they'd be great if it wasn't for the people, right? Well, that's uh, the weak link always. It's the human. Yeah, human component. error is, yeah. Is, is where the weak link will happen. Um, how else could they have spent this money? Where else could we have subsidized or invested? Um, you know, and, and you're right to be concerned or, you know, at least stop and raise an eyebrow as to why are we shutting down the gyms? I don't know, 30,000 square foot warehouse with every protocol in place. Check your, like you said, check your vaccine status at the door, sign in capacity limits. They've got sanitizing and spray and paper towel at every single pillar so that, you know, when yep. you're done, your, your set of reps on one device or, or machine, you can wipe it down and everybody's disciplined. I mean, yeah. literally everybody's disciplined because it's an environment that, uh, if you will, I was going to say police is its own. I don't know if that's a term that, that we use these days, but it's, it's self-respect. It's, it's mutual respect. And um, you'll get called out for it if you don't. And I haven't seen anybody because everybody just does it. It's the cool sure. thing to do, to be a decent human being to each other. You know, think about it. I can sit on my couch, eat, eat a bag of chips, 
drink a bottle of pop, order takeout or delivery fast food full of garbage and sit and get sick. Or we can encourage people to get out, go for a walk, use your brain, uh, show common courtesy to each other, eat well, do your stretching, do your yoga, do, do your exercises uh, and be proactive about your health. Yeah. Why doesn't um, the government intervene more on that regard with regards yeah. to personal health? We have a health pandemic in, in this uh, country, in the whole of Canada, in the U.S. And, and it's reflected in the casualties and, and the illness rates. Uh, Why are we shutting down elective surgeries? Why are we setting, shutting down uh, non-elective surgeries as well, as far as I can tell? Um, they're, they're just ranking you in priority based on how many doctors they have. I recognize they're saying, well, we have staffing shortages now because people are exhausted. Absolutely. Yeah. So why aren't we deploying our good men and women who are part of the armed services, who are trained to work in similar environments? They could be providing relief. Well, I believe we did. We, we did that when they, this was hitting hard on the um, long-term care homes in and around the place. Mike. It was 14 months in that they started deploying them. Okay. All right. Positive. And Look they it waited up. Uh, way, way too long. Uh, totally they, wait, they waited way too long, and they're not yeah. using them now either. Yeah. They're not using them. They might be set up, but they're not using them. You know, I, I get why we've had to function in some regards like a police state through this. And, and I get why some people have no tolerance or they've hit their, their threshold. Uh, and I, I might not agree with someone who decides to be totally defiant and rebellion against protocols, but I do get their frustration. But at the same time, I have no time of day for those that believe that, you know, that there is no COVID virus and like to spread rumors that somehow this is a plot against society put on by big pharmacy or government, or they're working together to take money for us. I mean, that that's totally nuts. You know, it's just uh, stupid. Yeah, it, it is just stupid. This is a reality. It's a real thing. Yeah, yep. we get it. Do vaccines work? Sure, they work. Should I continue to boost my immune system? Absolutely. Do I want to be able to fight it? Sure do. Uh, but it's also about making sure that I'm, help, you know, one, that the severity of it is uh, mitigated and, and, and maybe that I help make my neighbor safer. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, but yeah, do, 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 am I interested in whether I have a 5G plant, a chip implanted in my brain somehow that got through the pin of a needle uh, as it was injecting a serum into me? honestly not interested like if it was even possible i wouldn't care because i my life is not that important that i have to worry about someone listening in on my phone calls yeah no it's funny you know and the conspiracy theories i mean they, they always fall apart with for me at the point where like uh, you know a large group hundreds of thousands of people can all be sharing a same secret and all be compliant in some conspiracy there, there's just no way that that many people can someone within their is not going to be able to resist the temptation to spill the beans and reach for immediate fame and fortune there by being that whistleblower. I mean, we're incapable as a species of maintaining silence when the, when the stakes are high like that. It's never been done before. It makes for a good plot in a movie like you know, Tom Hanks or what's his name, Nicolas Cage or something. But in reality, those kind of conspiracies, again, the weak element is, is humans. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I said earlier, I'll say it again, I mean, not just me, but Sherry and I, like we've, we've done what we can to keep the balance of our living experience and life experiences through all of this. And well, well, many of us are quick to call out the ones that seem to be taking risks or doing so potentially putting others at risk. At the same time, there is a sizable portion of the population who they've been living in sheer fear and their day-to-day lives have been literally reduced to hiding away from the world. Like we, we can't forget about them. 
those people are there. We don't see them. They're hiding away. You know, I just hope that there's a point in 2022 where the less concerned and the overly concerned, all of us can, you know, interact and enjoy our lives like normal human beings once, once again. I hope we hit that point here in 2022. Do you think we're going to hit that? You know, pandemics happen. Yeah. Um, viruses happen. Airborne disease happens. Yeah. Um, I'm not as interested in whether or not there is something that continues on in the form of whether some people want to call it just like the flu or just like the cold or some iteration of it. Uh, and yes, people have died. They've succumbed to it. Sure, they have. My interest is in how we treat each other as humans. Yeah. And, and I think the biggest pandemic is the sheer lack of respect from people with differing or opposing opinions. You used to be able to have an argument and shake hands and say, that was a great debate. Or yeah. you do you and I'll do no, me. Everything, and, everything and is personal now. And so the, the real the real pandemic for me is human behavior and the way people treat each other. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm okay. Way. I'm totally fine if you have a very drastically different opinion than mine. I'm yeah. good with that. It keeps life interesting. Well, these but are I'm, the dialogues I'm having with my daughters, you know, and we're on different sides of this, yet we can still have discussions on it. You know, I yeah. get a point not to be judgmental or make this personal. I've got a long list of flaws of, of my own, as as plenty of people know. Um, but what what I'm what I'm actually more concerned with is the mental health toll uh, that it's taking, and that's on parents, that's on teachers, that's on the seniors, that's yeah. on uh, the proprietors, those who are responsible for people with payroll. I've got a heavy payroll myself. Fortunately, we're able to do work remotely. Uh, that doesn't mean that all of my clients aren't impacted. And if my clients are impacted and they don't pay the bill, then I got to figure out how to keep the roof over the head of my, of my staff as well. So I'm, I'm more interested and more concerned in how we look out for one another and treat each other. And, you know, maybe I'm not very scientific in my explanation. I don't think I have to be. Uh, I don't think being, being a decent human being requires a degree of any, uh, of any form. Not everywhere. There are a lot of good people out there. I mean, you look around the city today and you see people doing good gestures, whether they got the facts right or they got the facts wrong, doesn't matter. They're doing good gestures because it's what their heart tells yeah, them to do. There's always good people. And, but I think that the issues you mentioned were, were in the year, even pre COVID, as far as, you know, people being polarized, it, it happens with regards to our politics. It happens differing opinions on a lot of things. Again, I, I you know, I, I tend to blame technology and, and I think prior to the internet, 90% of our interaction and communication was face-to-face. And I think we're much more polite, thoughtful, and, con- and considerate. And, and we pre-think what we're going to say when we're face-to-face with someone. It's far too easy to be a, be a jackass uh, yeah. talking through a keyboard into a screen. To, to people. For sure. Yeah. On the and other side, Mike, when it, we don't know now. More, when more when it comes to our politicians, I, I, you know, I, I, again, I, I stand to be corrected for the nine millionth time in my life, but... Uh, I don't think we pay our politicians enough. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. Uh, well, one, it's just, you know, go ahead and try it. Because from the sidelines and behind a keyboard, it's easy to say that they get paid too much and they've got golden pensions and parachutes yeah. and all that stuff. They don't have an easy job. They've got a really shitty job, actually. It's a thankless job a lot of the time. Um, that being well, you're, said... You're, there's, there's always going to be a portion of the public who adamantly disagrees with whatever your position is. Sure. But here's what I am going to say that, that this, I'm sure there are people are going to be disagreeing on. Here's why I don't think we pay them enough. Or here's, here's, here's the problem with First not why you couldn't pay me enough to do the job is what you're trying to say. <laughs> well, no, there's the, well, there's that. Uh, but here's the thing. 
if we paid them more, we could also hold them more accountable. Yeah, I don't think when, when you when you look at certainly south at the municipal level for starters. No, I, I no. Let's go with federal and provincial, or state and federal south of the border. But when you look at you know the 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 can the list of candidates and then the successful front runner and and those who actually get the win the leadership. I don't care which party. Pick a party; it doesn't matter. When you look at who we've got a country of 38 million people and these five people are the best that we could come up with. Yeah. Well, you look at, you look at South of the border, they got 380 million people and these two are the best that they could come up with in terms of leaders of the party. If we paid more, more good people would run and we could hold them accountable. I I think that's an argument that can, can be incredibly made, but I also think there's another argument and, and maybe example there of, um, we used to see a lot more, uh, well, and, and we, well, we still do. If you look at the number of people, especially in American politics and Canadian, I suppose, to a degree, they are educated people that come forward and they tend to be uh, lawyers. They, they tend to predominantly come from positions in the private sector where they've earned good money. I, I mean, there's a lot of wealthy politicians in the United States on the Senate uh, um, and just in Congress in general down there, and certainly in Canada. What we've seen... You ought to be to play. In order to play, you have to be pretty wealthy. Yeah, but but uh, it's expensive to play, and you need to be connected to play. And But what we're seeing now, and, and again, maybe the internet and that uh, level of communication with the public uh, is contributing to this, is the more you know garden-variety, blue-collar type of candidate, not just coming forward, but coming forward and actually standing a chance up against uh, the ones who have millions of dollars in the coffers to 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 run an election from. Um, so you'll see, like in the states, you know, uh, Buttigieg or whatever from the Midwest there running and having a good chance and coming a lot farther than anybody of his ilk and income would have twenty mm-hmm. years ago, even. Um, and so I think there is a shift, and I think we're seeing more people. And I don't think it's just by offering more money that that necessarily attracts, because I think a lot of the people who come into politics, they have money behind them. They know they're not going to be making a lot of money there, but they're there to make a difference. And, you know, the other side of that argument might be, if we paid them a million dollars a year, are we attracting the right people? Maybe we're just then only attracting people just for the money, and we're missing out on the people who are genuinely passionate, willing to sacrifice for their country or their province or their community. Well, I think that that's part of the argument lo- locally as to why, um, you know, city council doesn't pay more because you want to make sure that people aren't doing it for the job, so to speak. You know, typically you can't support a household on that. I, I want to be very careful and sensitive to those who might be, but typically it's it's below average household income. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the income that it does pay. Maybe uh, so individual, you might be able to survive on that income. Well, hey, with rents at what they are today, you wouldn't have much left over to buy. So, so, you know, so, so that there's an argument for not doing it because you want to make sure that those who are running actually want to do it. Fair enough. However, we're talking about running a country. Mm -hmm. It's a large organization with multi-billion dollar a year budgets. Significant corporation. Yeah, it's a heck of a corporation. And I don't think it's too unreasonable to pay. Yeah. Um, But again, it's, it's an and it's not a, it's not one half of the equation. It's pay and be held accountable yeah and and certainly uh i've seen far too many times as of you provincially and federally that 
uh, you know, something happens, uh, a, a, a scandal is revealed and it just gets swept under the rug and nobody's held accountable. Yeah. We still don't know the outcome of gas plant. We still don't know the outcome of solar uh, mm-hmm. scandal. We still don't know the outcome of SNC Lavalin. Yeah. Uh, we still don't know the outcome of so many of these. Memory, uh, memories are we, short. We, we move scandal. on to the next crisis uh, so, and they count on that. But I just want to make one other point in support of your uh, comments on, you know, whether politicians should be paid more. Here's something to consider too. Perhaps if they were paid more, they might stay longer and learn more and be of more value to us. Because I would think a good politician gets in there uh, within a few years, um, they start getting options from the private sector who want them on their boards of directors, who it's want minister finance. And I think a lot of good people are lost at the back end in politics. Sure. Uh, you know, and it's because of the temptation uh, of money. And if they were paid uh, better to remain within the uh, you know, government system, maybe we re- the retention rate would be better with good politicians. Who knows? Absolutely. Mike, this has been fun. Uh, it has been, been fun. fun. It a bit, but went from COVID to politics, but it's been a while since we've done a podcast. And let's get back and do another one. We've got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses.